Welcome back, everyone, to the Waste-Free Journey podcast. I'm your host, Steffi, and I'm very honored today to have with me Mette Hoffmann-Meyer, the CEO and executive producer of the Y Foundation. It's a nonprofit organization in Denmark, and this episode is in collaboration with Seeds, which is a NGO and nonprofit organization here um, in Iceland. So thank you so much for joining me, and welcome, Mette. Yeah, thank you. I'm very proud to be here with you. And uh, it's just amazing what SEED has done for, for the plastic debate in Iceland. I, I, I understand. And uh, so we are happy about that. For the listeners who don't know exactly what the VI Foundation is, um, can you maybe tell me a little bit about the foundation and also your role within the organization? Yes. So the Y is, a, is a, um, an NGO, non-profit organization, and we basically provide uh, on a global scale public service uh, human rights stories, documentary films about human rights. And uh, we, uh, we provide uh, these uh, donate actually the films to underserved countries. Uh, we try and language version most of them um, Because four billion people, half of the world's population, have no access to uh, only speak their own uh, local language, and you have 3.2 billion who have no internet access, and you have 900 million who cannot read and write. So we think that we can actually uh, empower people with the knowledge about human rights and climate and. Uh, um, with stories and documentaries and our stories are very sort of fact-based uh, but we 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 make uh, films that are often um, a, a little story but with a systemic layer to it so so we can identify and we can reach many people and um, so we have kind of four activities for our films and uh, one is at BBC World News show all our films so 20 films per year And um, they, through BBC World News, you reach 40% of the world's decision makers approximately, which is politicians and, you know, presidents in countries. Wow. I mean, basically in countries where they don't have their own trustworthy news. A lot of people, more people there would watch BBC World News. And then we donate the films to TV stations in underserved countries or countries where they don't have tradition or finance to, to uh, show documentaries. So we are uh, around, we work with around 70 TV stations from Tanzania to Mongolia to Argentina. Uh, yeah, many, many countries. We are uh, very strong in the Middle East, in Palestine TV, in uh, Lebanon, etc. And then we work with a number of, uh, quite big number now, um, with other NGOs, who local NGOs who show the films in villages in India. We have a big program in India right now um, where we show films about women's rights in India. And um, we've had like around 10,000 uh, school uh, students in, in Nigeria watching also films about trafficking of, uh, of children and, and women. Um, You know, so so we try and reach people where they are in villages, in town squares, town halls, uh, schools, etc. And then we have um, our uh, YouTube channel, which has just turned uh, 15 million people watching on our English channel, and we just launched an Arab, fully Arab language uh, channel as well. So we try and reach people where they are, uh, put a lot of effort into actually really get out to to uh, 
people who have no access to normal media and uh, and information or newspaper. And so, see if we can if we can empower them, you know, with an understanding of the human rights, bringing stories from far away to close to our hearts and minds. And I think I think this is amazing, and also the reach you have and what you just mentioned that there are now over fifty million views on uh, YouTube. I think uh, this is something to to very be proud of. Yes, I, I I do think so too. But you have to remember that the people who can watch YouTube, that's yeah people in in the cities in capital. You know, like uh, so. What we actually put an effort into is getting out to villages where there's no internet yeah. connection. But now we can. You know, because our films are very, uh, we think, very powerful and strong, then we can basically uh, use the films everywhere. So it's, it's, we don't change the films. It's a 45 mm -hmm. minute versions and the same film they see in the school in Nigeria as a university in Copenhagen or indeed, um, you know, wherever in the world it is, it's, it's the same film, but we just language version them. And um, yeah. yeah, so that's our thinking. So if someone would like to see all the documentaries that uh, uh, that you have uh, published, they would go to the BBC and could watch it there, or is it from the no. TV? So BBC World News, they, they show the films on BBC World News, mm -hmm. basically one film for one weekend, uh, over one weekend. So so um, so they are, you know, they're one of our TV stations we work with, Um so if you want to see our films, um, if it's films that we have produced, like we will soon talk about the plastic films, mm -hmm. then normally you would be able to see them on your local public service TV station. So if you're in England, you can see them on BBC. If you're in Denmark, on Danish TV, Swedish television, German television, Canadian, Japanese. Uh, and then, then after a while, we will put them on um, our YouTube channel. Okay. For using the public uh, the public screenings like we had here in Iceland, which exactly. uh, was organized which was organized by Seeds. I see. And yeah. um, like you just said, you have these different projects. You have the why questions, why poverty, for example, or why slavery, and very recently why plastic. And that is the one that I uh, was involved uh, with Seeds a little bit because I am trying in my in my own little universe to to avoid plastic and uh, yeah. like it is with <laughs> information and <laughs> not easy and no no it's not easy and i would never claim that i'm uh, plastic or waste uh, free it's more like a, a journey and it will never be ending for me at least and yeah. i wanted to ask you what the or yeah if you just want to talk about the bioplastics and the overall reaction of people to the to the movie yeah Yeah, actually, we originally wanted to do something on climate, but thought it was uh, very difficult for, you know, to make movies about and to make documentaries about because it is a huge question. It's difficult to document in in a, a film that you film over a year or two. So we decided on plastic also because uh, plastic is, uh, uh, you know, they estimate that plastic will, will be maybe, I think it's 8% of the the CO2 uh, footprint by 2030. So a big, big uh, uh, impact on, on climate as well, uh, the whole uh, plastic industry. So I decided, or we decided in the group here that 
There's been a lot of films we wanted to look into it. I didn't know I knew as little as anyone else when we sort of got the idea. Uh, we, um, you know, there's sort of a lot of things that was a mystery to me. Uh, what does uh, recycling mean? What does biodegradable mean? You know, when it's nano nanoplast, what you know, how small is it? Can you see it? Can you? We 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 are here. We can drink it. But also the impact on our health, we didn't know much about. We, you know, we have all maybe read a little bit here and there, and maybe it's bad for cancer or maybe you know fertility for men and so. But we didn't. There's not sort of a uh, where you have collected all the information. So, so what we asked a filmmaker to do and producer was to say, can you look into that? We did a. Re we actually had a research person employed here at the Wire to do a lot of sort of preliminary research. And, and then we found, identified filmmaker and said, you know, can we find out what do we know about plastic impact on our health and, and what don't we know? Maybe we don't know anything. And that's what we then can conclude. Weird that we are surrounded with plastic everywhere, but we don't know anything. Maybe that would be what the story is about. It turned out that actually science, you know, research, Knows, we know a lot about the impact of plastic and it's not really good. Uh, it uh, has been difficult for the research or the science person, people to, to get funding for it. Um, plastic started some, something good. You know, it will, uh, food will last longer. You know, it's cleaner in hospitals and, and all these things. So it was never really tested on human beings. And now we, our lives are so surrounded by that you know my plastic that there are no test groups that no people human beings who have not been in contact with plastic so you don't have test groups so you you can only test either on animals and and then also you know real sort of blood tests with real people and i was really surprised by learning for instance that we also become more stupid i mean one thing is fertility that we might erase ourselves as a as a species but um they did a survey uh, where they tested 4,000 women and their blood when uh, when they were pregnant, and their two-year-old children had a had a, a decreased uh, vocabulary. I mean, they had fewer words than um, which I, I thought was really surprising. And and um, in terms of our health, it turns out that that uh, some of the components in Plastic, the chemicals, is sort of one-to-one -one with the with the structure, the molecular structure of the of the estrogen. Mm -hmm. So our body actually thinks that it gets estrogen, and of course, as we all know, estrogen is very powerful and and can change us as human beings. Um, so I, I think that story is uh, really important, and we have had many many responses in the countries where the film. By now, I mean we just finished them, uh, you know, so they are still going out here and there, but um, we know about young mothers groups who have removed all plastic from their children's, you know, daily life as much as they can, but um, and and um, of course there's many debates in here in Denmark with politicians who have seen the films. We have also shown uh, excerpts and had debate in the parliament and uh, yeah, so, so we hope sort of in the long run that it will uh, impact people and I know it's impacted a lot of people but for us it's you know we're gathering all this knowledge now and then maybe in a year's time we can 
tell more. But we did three films, so one about health, uh, one about the industry and the producer uh, responsibility, where we looked at Coca-Cola as a company uh, because we produce 470 billion plastic bottles per year. And uh, Coca-Cola is by far the largest uh, producer with with all their brands. And we then look at what they are doing. And they took the producer's responsibility in 2018. But what are their uh, promises and what how would they achieve them? And and it's it's a super interesting documentary, I think, because, uh, you know, in a way they're not very ambitious. Uh, They would, for instance, have they promise to include 50 percent recycled plastic by 2030 but you think that's not why don't they why don't do 100% recycled or why do they why don't they do refillable bottles um, like they do in in Brazil um, or you know things like so we look at what can be done and what do they promise and what do they think can be done and what do you know uh, people who uh, experts think it's possible for them to do and then the, f- the third film is about recycling and uh, how we get rid of our plastic waste. And that's a super depressing film because, uh, as we all know, it cannot really be recycled. And uh, most plastic waste cannot be recycled. Actually, the easiest is the, uh, the bottles, uh, you know, like, like uh, cola and other Coca-Cola bottles because it's PET and it's easy to collect and it's pure plastic but the rest of our plastic waste is no a lot of it is multi-layered it's a, you know a coffee cup or to-go cup but there's always plastic inside you buy milk it looks like it's cupboard or you know mm-hmm. some kind of paper but it also has plastic inside so all these things cannot be separated and that's why you know you cannot actually recycle but most of it is burnt and um, in Copenhagen, we have this Copenhagen Hill, which is one of the most advanced uh, burning facilities. And um, they can keep away all the chemicals, but there's still an enormous amount of CO2 when we burn our waste. And the reason they call it recycling, I found fascinating, and I didn't know before our films, is that we get um, you know, heating into 150,000 homes. So that's why it's recycling. But I think most consumers, we think recycling is you buy a bottle, it's being recycled to another bottle, or, you know, they take the plastic and they do something with it, and then it becomes something other plastic. But you don't think of it as it's being recycled, it's being burned, and it becomes energy. So, you know, there's a lot of... um, they twisted our minds a lot with these words. Uh, I mean, biodegradable plastic, what does that mean? You know, it, nothing is biodegradable. You kind of think it's some kind of vitamins they put into it so that because it's something bio is a positive word, but it basically means it becomes small nanoplastic. You can't see. It's still there. It will go into our groundwater. It will go into the ocean. It will be in the air. It will be, you know, everywhere. So, so the reason was to make these three films on the industry, the recycling and our health, and not go too much into the marine, which might be more uh, in Iceland uh, important. But you know, twenty percent they estimate is uh, a plastic waste in, is in the ocean or in the ocean. But that means eighty percent is on land, and we wanted to look at the structure and the root cause of all the plastic. 
uh, why is it in the water in the first place? Because we don't manage it on 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 the on land. So that was the idea, and um, and um, uh, to just you know give an overview into the plastic channels challenge. And um, we think we have succeeded quite well. It was difficult. Uh, we also produced during COVID, and uh, and we think our stories are very strong. And we think that people learn a lot from them. That's at least what we get back also from screenings we have Definitely. had. Yeah. I mean, the, the movie that I watched is the last one you mentioned, The Recycling Myth. That, that is the yeah. one that was screened here in Iceland and I believe the other movies will be screened soon because we just loosened our uh, restrictions a bit um, and what yeah. this movie was just so like you said depressing but also very eye-opening and I yeah. I think it was very emotional and uh, uh, had really shocked because I go into these movies after all this research that I've done and, and think uh, most of this I will already know it, it will but just be re repetitive maybe but then it was just like wow like you said the the hill that you have the where uh, plastic is burned which of course makes sense what else are you going to do it's like when you say there is not uh, sorry my cat is me <laughs> there is not really a there's not really a way of recycling it's often called also wish cycling we put something in a bin and we wish uh, and hope that it gets recycled and it's actually not and uh, after the movie screening we had a panel discussion with the only investigative journalist here in Iceland that reports on plastic and he had extremely bad news for Icelandic plastic gets burned and sent to Latvia and, and it's ex the opposite from what the government is telling us and no one is doing anything about it and the, the people yeah. after the screening just left a uh, house crying so but it's also the thing is that you know the dilemmas we have because obviously the politicians also have dilemmas because I'm sure they have made uh, really good, probably also solid agreements with waste management and, you know, to get the waste away from, from Iceland and, you know, from Denmark, wherever it is. And, and you know, it's also, as you also see in that film, it turns out that there's so, I mean, so much the black money, you know, like really mm -hmm. dodgy money, like I think was it $11 billion of, um, you know, because we all pay to get rid of our plastic and then this payment just, you know, trickle down to the poorest countries, to the poorest people, and they get money to burn our plastic in cement factories. And I don't know what happens in Lithuania, but it's probably the same. And that means that the pollution, because obviously there's no filters and stuff in these cement factory burnings, and so it, basically they get they money to, to, to use uh, plastic. And then it's polluting the surroundings and the poorest people in the world. And it's it's the same all over. That's also why we took it in because, I mean, we agreed we could do plastic because it is an inequality problem as well. I mean, we export our problems. The rich countries export. We are the biggest consumers of plastic. But basically, we, we don't want to have anything to do with the waste. So we just find the poorest countries always. It was China. It was Philippines, you know, Malaysia, and, and now it's Eastern Europe and Africa, and it turns out also that we, we didn't know that, but it's, um, yeah. And I, I have to say that um, I was also really, I mean, I was surprised by all the black money in, the, in this uh, industry, uh, 
but also maybe the naivety. I have had quite many panels in Denmark with politicians, local politici- politicians in different cities or towns. And, you know, they're really nice people and they just did not know. I mean, they, they thought it would be recycled because that's the promise, but that it would be burned somewhere they did not know. And of course you can say, why don't they have the chain of responsibility as, you know, if you produce anything else, you have a chain of responsibility that there's no slave workers in your garbage, you know, like whatever you do in your productions and you have to go all the way to the, to the start point and so, and they have not done that, but I don't think it's bad. Well, I just, I simply, the politicians I've met, even also in parliament, they had no idea. They were just as surprised as you and I, uh, when, mm-hmm. you know, when you, when people see it first time, because it is really mind blowing that we st- also, the word recycling is, is, a uh, is uh, maybe twisting a little bit because we think, okay, it's been recycled, so we can just go on consuming plastic. Exactly. But if, when you get to know that it's not really being recycled and it is impossible to recycle, then you think about how can I reduce my own plastic, even though it might be, you know, just a drop in the ocean. Mm-hmm. And it's really difficult to reduce your plastic consumption because it's everywhere, right? And if you again, if you are poor, you buy nylon and polyester and stuff, you know, because that's the cheapest in in many you know stores where you have to have clothes for your children. And I mean, it's it's a it's a big uh, challenge, and it's it's yeah, it's difficult. Exactly, and uh, I think what you said about uh, recycling, what also shocked me, or or what I discovered in Iceland, is that Iceland has very good numbers of recycling. So I, of course, looked into the statistics of the waste management uh, company here in Iceland, and they say they recycle, I think, 80% of their plastic. And I was like, how does this number make sense? And the thing is, as soon as it's shipped out of the country, it counts in Iceland as recycled, even though it does not uh, get recycled. And one one thing that I don't want to spoiler the movie for anyone, but one thing that absolutely shocked me was uh, actually the very <laughs> heartbreaking story with TerraCycle, um, yeah. who I thought, and, and I, I'm telling you, I think I'm a little bit naive as well, because I still, I'm telling people, I still get greenwashed sometimes by companies uh, and uh, TerraCycle, uh, I always thought, wow, they recycle everything and they have all these big companies. But the logical thinking should have been already asking myself, how are they doing this? You cannot recycle everything into park benches. And uh, the story basically, of course, you know, it was that uh, you discovered uh, material in, uh, I think it was in, was Bulgaria. it in Latvia, uh, Bulgaria, Bulgaria yeah, uh, yeah. that was supposed to be shipped uh, to uh, recycling in, in the name of TerraCycle. And uh, this woman collected all this uh, material in her yeah. free time. It was these like pouches from cat food, everything that is like multi-layered that is not recyclable. Yeah. So Alison, so, her name is, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. It it has been a really challenging. We ha- we have actually ended up spending a lot of money just to defend ourselves. TerraCycle has tried to, you know, to um, to stop the film going out. They have written to all director generals and all the TV stations who have uh, co-financed this film. So the way it's funded when we do our wise, you know, when we produce new films like when we did Why Democracy, Why Poverty, Why Slavery. And now why plastic is that a number of, 
you know, public service TV stations, they, they, uh, they co-produce the film, so co-finance the film. So they, they uh, give, give us some money and then we produce the films and then they have the rights to show their films on, on, on TV. So that's how it's financed it purely from public service TV stations. And, uh, and Tara Cycle has written to, um, yeah, to me, of course, um, uh, their lawyer, but they have written to all the director generals from all the TV stations. Uh, they have uh, also seeked an injunction in Germany where it's a German production company. Uh, and they try to to stop it there, and they, um, they you know they they lost um, the first round, but then they could appeal, and then uh, you know so of course we had to put lawyers on as well. So it, it's um, it's not easy to make these films it's sort of critical or find things out from big companies, uh, but and then they appealed, and uh, then they lost again. And they also lost the case with the, the woman in America who um, uh, Dell. Um, so so there was also a court um, sending them. Actually, with this court case, they are now not allowed to say they can recycle everything. <laughs> so you know, um, <laughs> yeah. So some so a lot of things comes out of films like this because obviously they have probably not been so. Um, focused on on her quest to try and stop Terra Cycle, even she had uh, sued them. But because it goes out on all these TV stations and also BBC World News, um, it's it's more a threat to their um, to their business model or mm-hmm. greenwash model. Um, so you know when we when you produce these films, you have to have really good lawyers. I mean not that but just to defend something that is right and that is accurate, but you need to, you know, you need to be uh, dressed for it in the court. And um, so, so you know, there's a lot of uh, things like that. You have to be very accurate and very well documented. It's You cannot, which is sometimes a problem with many other films, you know, where they're not accurate, but with, you know, we have really underlying documentation to everything we say. And it's, I think with, films like this it's very important to be really fact-based and and to you know to do your homework and your research exactly i mean teller cycle it's it's of course uh, disappointing also to hear the reaction because if they would have nothing to hide and they would just say this is a one case that we have to look into they could have just say okay the the movie can go on but we have to work on something but if the reaction is just to try to stop the movie um for me that feels like okay then you must be hiding something if you're so afraid uh, of a of yeah. a documentary yeah of course i mean uh, and it is true in 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 the film it's one case but we have more cases and you know from terracycle fi- findings uh, in other countries even so you know, but you cannot in one film. You have to, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. you have to select, and and it's it's enough. And they have the right also to to respond. As in the film, they say it's a one time only. But but obviously they know, and we know that it's not true. Um, and of course, if the business model is basically um, greenwashing and fraud, is um, then. Um, then they would try and stop it, right, as they did. Mm-hmm. 
and they have all these big companies like uh, L'Oreal and uh, you know uh, basically just telling people that if the if you see the TerraCycle symbol on the product just keep consuming uh, TerraCycle yeah, will take yeah. care of it and this is my personal problem I have with the screenwashing that's happening everywhere around the world right now in all the uh, global north uh, that people just think uh, we like in Iceland we're fixing the carp we're taking carbon out of the atmosphere so you can just drive your car and fly to vacation because you don't have to change but no one wants to talk about it you the individual everybody has to change their consumption behavior yeah. and stop yeah, consuming yeah. so much this is the key point and not just a wish cycling and thinking that uh, there will be a magical tech fix that will save us yeah. all. Well, I, I think that um, if your question is what can we do as consumers, I think we can do some and we can try and you know reduce our consumption and we can try and and do it as good as we can. But I, you also know that you know we are people have family, they have work, they have to do shopping fast, and so I, I do actually think that. If you really, I do think, I probably, I don't know what, I, it's my personal opinion, that it's probably only capitalism that can res solve this problem. And I think one way they could do it is just like, uh, maybe you don't remember the cars that were polluting, then they heavily taxed it, you know, so you paid more for polluting, mm -hmm. lead polluting cars. Mm -hmm. And I think the same thing if you put lots of taxes on, on virgin plast and virgin oil, then I think uh, in a in a industry and you know capitalistic world, you try either to find other means to produce your. I mean, maybe not even plastic, or you would have to spend more money to do uh, to recycle the plastic already there, or to collect your plastic, or to produce it so that there are fewer um, components, or maybe mm -hmm. the multi-layered will disappear. You know, think they will find solution because that's how it's always been. If if it's if it's very expensive, uh, you know, to to use new and very easy virgin plast, then they will find other ways. That that's how it is. And then I think also marketing is is vital. I mean, I, I do think like uh, Dell that it should be forbidden to write hundred percent recyclable. Instead, you should have the bottles in the supermarket saying here there's 10% recycled in or there's 50% or it's all recycled. But you should not be legal to to say that it's recycled because obviously as the TerraCycle guy says, it's technically, everything is mm -hmm. technically recyclable, but it's not in practical and you, you cannot uh, recycle, you know, I mean, just a milk I don't know in Denmark it's it's a it's a sort of something like looks like cardboard, but obviously we all know that there's a thin layer of plastic inside, and this you can't separate can't separate the to go coffee cups from the plastic and all these things. So you know to yeah I think heavily taxation and then marketing uh, honesty, um, some regulations there would would help enormously. And of course, you then have all the other hospitals, and you know where plastic is just a, a remarkable. Um, you know, I mean, it's hard to imagine a hospital without plastic. Yeah. But maybe, maybe they could have fewer arts of plastic, so it could be recycled and mm -hmm. you know melted or something. So it's still and right now they you do you burn everything because uh, yeah because it's a hospital and people are ill and so but. 
you know, maybe it would be possible. Uh, what do I know? But yeah, I don't have any really solutions. Um, uh, the common sense and reduce, but also said focus on it. I mean, you know, it's important that we talk about it, and and uh, it's important that you know to, when you see something that's really silly and unnecessary, maybe you can mention. <laughs> um, I also talked to, of course, the industry, and um, and uh, I think a lot of the industry they really like to to change uh, in many ways and also see the enormity of the of the talents um, but also they have difficulties you know to find out how to do it best but i think yeah, like what you said from the consumer point i think you have very important points that you made there that it's marketing and taxing and overall what i think is uh, education because uh, not everybody like you said has time Uh, to research this uh, in their own time and has the time to look for a plastic-free store, which, by the way, we're in Reykjavik or Iceland. We don't really, we don't even have a, a bulk store where we can yet buy a plastic-free, which is uh, kind of sad. And uh, no one has time to to go five hours to different stores to find the plastic-free option. So I think education is very important, and I think this is why where the Y Foundation does a great job in not just educating the the wealthy and the privileged, but also uh, all the people that we're, you know, where we're actually maybe dumping um, uh, our waste. And I had a, a friend of mine that I study with right now next to me when I watched uh, the recycling myth, and uh, he's from Indonesia. And you yeah. can imagine uh, what our talk was about because the movie yeah. shows the situation in yeah. Indonesia and it feels of course horrible because everybody feels kind of uh, res uh, like responsible but I think talking to people educating and also just talking and sharing ideas like you said you talk to the industry it's important that we're not just turning our backs and say okay I don't want anything to do with these people so find a conversation with them and like you said Perhaps many politicians and decision makers, they don't know about this because they're so caught up in their everyday uh, uh, life and uh, in other politics and uh, issues. We, have, of course, not only can think about plastic, we have other issues in the world and in Iceland as well. But yeah. to talk to the people and say, this is uh, important for me and then a change, change will eventually come. And I think uh, that's where I think it's a great job and people should definitely, if they can, watch the documentaries. I think they're yeah, extremely eye-opening. And uh, like I said, there is something new to learn. It's not just what we've seen, for example, on Netflix, there are documentaries about plastic. And this is very well researched, like you said, and uh, is, a, is a trustworthy source for people to get their information from. Yeah, thank you. We do our best, definitely. But... It's also, you know, it's sort of all what the why is about is to 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 be a trustworthy, uh, accurate uh, storyteller uh, that you know set focus on on the big challenges in the world, um, and um, and we of course hope that the, within the next year that the films will will be shown all over the world. But already now, you know, it will go out many places. So. And then we we're looking at where it's not sort of being picked up automatically, but uh, and then we we try and get them out there as well. So and we also really appreciate the seats, how what they have done for the for the for the plastic focus in Iceland, and uh, and of course it would be great when they they're going to show the other films. You open up a bit. 
Um, yeah, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I, I wanted to end on a positive note, <laughs> of course, uh, even though the topic is uh, is difficult. And uh, my last question to you would be what you're looking forward to in uh, in this year, in 2022, whether it's a work project or something uh, personal. Yeah, so the different things. We, we are, of course, looking into what the next why should be, mm-hmm. whether it should be why freedom, why hate, why care, you know, So we have uh, different topics that we work on. And then, of course, I look forward to my daughter coming home with my grandchildren in June. They live in Singapore. <laughs> um, and uh, and I don't mind that they fly a bit to get here. <laughs> um, Understandable. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and um, I think also, actually, when we can get a little bit depressed, um, by doing what you are doing and what we are doing is we have to think of it. I always see it as, Because people often ask me when you work with films about rape and women's rights and plastic and this, don't you get really uh, sad and down? And I, I do sometimes, but I think of the why as, you know, an adult on an airplane and you know that if something's wrong, you need to put the oxygen mask on yourself first and then you can help others afterwards. And I think a little bit like we also have to... Uh, maybe not be naively hopeful, but, you know, to have the energy to 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 try still to change things and inform things and ed- educate. Uh, and then hopefully we can help others. And then in the end, you know, maybe one day it will be a little better. I think this is a, this is a perfect uh, example and last uh, words for this podcast. Uh, exactly, like put your oxygen mask on and uh, try to help yourself and then help others and uh, not losing your own energy while doing something that is uh, perhaps very energy draining so i think that's yeah. wonderful i'm um, really looking forward to seeing the um, seeing the other movies and uh, of course i'm spreading the word so i hope the next screening will come up and uh, thank you so much meta for taking the time yeah. to talk no, to me no absolutely the- of course yeah and thank you for and- your time and and yeah It's been a pleasure to meet you and talk to you. Thank you so much.